welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we've got Mr. Ricky Hyatt. Dave Hilda Pryor. And he's also on babysitting duty tonight, so that should be interesting. Gabbing Cheetah. I should be sticking in my sixpenneth. And our very special guest star is the, the saviour of Berry Football Club up in Lancashire and former Yeovertown midfielder Andy Welsh. So make yourself a cup of coffee, sit down and let's have a little bit of football banter. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And it's the Wednesday pod edition again for you tonight. And that voice you can hear, as always, Mr. A.D. Hopper. A.D., how are you, sir? Oh, I'm absolutely average. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a day trying to convert MP3 files from 4800 to 44100 or something but it's been driving me around a bend but anyway not to worry i'm sure our listeners can relate to that kind of stress of course they can yeah <laughs> yeah but when you've got hundreds, hundreds of bloody things to do it's a, it's, a, it's a task rick hyatt joins us how you doing rick uh, i'm good thanks uh because i've not converted any mp3 files today had a lovely day yeah good and how young you look for it as well, might I add. Oh, my God. <laughs> I suggest you go to Specsavers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gav Cheatham joins us. How are you doing, Gav? Very good, thanks, Dave. Evening, everyone. And lastly, our esteemed guest for the evening. No offence, everybody else. Uh, it's Andy Welch who joins us. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, very good, thank you. I hope you're all well. Yeah, we are, mate. We are. Yes, good, mate. Good. Um, obviously, we're grateful to have have you on the pod. So we want to talk things, all things Berry. If you're happy to uh, to yeah. do that a little bit later, because I want to start on the fact, as we always do um, with Yeovil Town, because we have now finally at the point where this is the last podcast before the season begins. We can forget all about pre-season. We can forget all the other talk. Now it's time to think about. The bread and butter, the nitty gritty. Rick, how pleased are you that it's coming back, baby? Uh, it seems to have been a, a long, it's a long uh, gestation period with the new ownership and everything. It's like last season couldn't end quickly enough, and then within weeks we've got a new owner, new sense of enthusiasm, and it's been seems to have been a hell of a, a build up to uh, to Saturday. But everything seems touch wood to be pointing in the right direction. So get the right result. On, on Saturday and things are away and running but the wrong result doesn't mean that uh, the world's coming to an end but it would be nice just to get off to a nice start yeah absolutely couldn't agree more what do you think Gav you've seen them play a couple of times um, this season as Rick's just alluded to it's it's very much the um, that familiar comfort as a football fan where you get 
you look forward all summer to the first day of the season and then your team doesn't get the result that you're looking for. But I think we can be quietly confident this time around, can't we? Yeah, I think so. Even in last, if you compare it to last pre-season, they weren't even scoring goals, were we? But this has been quite free-flowing. We just had the one blip against Wimbledon and then I think the draw in the last one, the late leveler but all the rest we've been uh, scoring goals and sharing the goals I know it's second season and people want a full tilt and there's not three points available or um, progress in the cup competition but um, I think we've kept up the players that maybe we thought we would lose because we dropped down a level and um, we've strengthened with some familiar faces and some new faces and it's all um, this is the best time to be a football fan or man or involved with the football club isn't it? Even the season, everyone's starting with a cliche. Uh, being safe. No, I did manage to pick up both um, some of the gist that you were saying there, Gav, about the young and old and the old players that have returned to Hewish Park, and obviously we've got some new, fresh faces in there as well. Um, I just throw the question to to you, Ada Sec, because just making a more general point that the first game of the season is probably one of the most highly anticipated games all year, isn't it? Because you can finally wipe away the cobwebs of the summer without any competitive football and you can start to enjoy um, and start to enjoy the real action again. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think it would have been nicer if it had been at home, but uh, you can't have everything, can you? But um, I think it's just, you know, when you look at the situation that, that Martin Hellier was faced with when he, when he came in and he said, well, I don't know, eight weeks probably at the maximum, to uh, put things right and in particular I mean any football club and I'm sure Andy would would back this up probably one of the most important signings that you're going to make is your strike force Um, because without your goals and your strike force you're going to be struggling and he would appear uh, obviously until the season starts we don't know for sure but he would appear to have recruited three very good strikers and since the Oval have struggled for the last God knows how many years to get goals, um, it's an encouraging start. So I w- I'm, I'm sort of, you know, really looking forward to the start of the game. Can't wait for three o'clock to go. And then probably we'll drop com- transmission then at three o'clock. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm only taking the mickey. Andy, I want to bring you in because I'm, I yeah. just want to ask, obviously from your previous affiliation with the yeah. Oval Town, have you had an eye on the direction of the club over the last few years, in particular the last 18 months, because obviously, as you'll know from from being here, it's a club with a big tradition, a big history, and it probably shouldn't really be where it finds itself going into the new season. Yeah, no, I I always keep an eye out for all my old clubs. You know, I had a great time at Yeovil, loved it there for the three years I was there, and um, you know, one of my daughters was born there as well. So, um, you know, it's a, to be honest, it is a club that I hold quite close to my heart in terms of, um, you know, what the community is and what the club is and, and can be, which it hasn't been um, over the past few years. Um, and, you know, the biggest part for me about Yeovil is, it, you know, players, staff, and football club, um, they play such a big part in the community that when things aren't going right, the, the town feels it. And I think, you know, outside of looking in, you, you can tell that 
the last few years hasn't been a nice feeling um, or it's been a nice place to be. And, and you know, full credit, I think, to the new chairman. I think you, you see the places buzzing on social media. You know, there's new players been signed. And listen, you, you don't win leagues on social media and games on social media. But one thing you can do is get that feel-good factor. And when things aren't going so well, it can be very hard to, to lift. Um, spirits, but I, I think he has done that, and I think there's that optimism for the for the new season, which is is um, gives gives every fan that excitement. Rick, we spoke about it last week, but Hemel Hempstead's obviously the first game that's um, going to be on the horizon for Yeovil. It, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Hemel Hempstead away, it's the type of fixture that makes you think, yes, we've got a really good chance of getting to a good start versus this is a real indication of how far we've dropped at the same time, all due respect to them. Yeah, provided the result goes result goes all right. But Yeovil are where they are. And uh, you can only, as the cliche has it, you can only beat what's in front of you. And it's if you look at the potential for this season, every it's we keep using the word momentum when we're talking about Yeovil just recently. And if, if you get those few games, those few wins behind you, get a season of success behind you, get promoted, you're in a better position in the National League following after that than what you would have been had you just stagnated with a constant relegation battle every season. So sometimes, you know, you have to take that step backwards before you can move move forward. And I think that's the attitude that everybody's got to have. You know, just it is what it is. Take it as as the fixtures you've got to play and get some momentum, get some goals, get the feel-good factor back around the place. Score more than two goals in a match for the first time in in living memory. And, um, yeah, just just get get the ball rolling again. Take this as point zero and, and move forward from here. And get a relegation bottle. Pardon? You're on about a relegation bottle. It doesn't matter. Let it go. To be fair, I thought Rick did say bottle, to be fair. You were listening good there, AD. <laughs> um, Gav, if you if you are still able to, to hear me... Oh. 15, love. Oh, oh, my boy's trying to, to get a word in now. Um, yeah, all right. Gav, Gav, are we going to win on Saturday? Straightforward question. Uh, yeah, straightforward answer, yes. And have you had any occasions to uh, cross swords with Hemel Hempstead in your career? Uh, no, I haven't, but... Um... I think uh, what one thing that uh, is going to be paramount for Yeovil this year is obviously they are a big team in the division that they're going to be in, um, and, and you know as long as the manager's got them in that mentality of it's not just uh, the other team's cup final, it's our cup final. Um, you know, I think that's really important because uh, non-league fixtures and, and results end up uh, in, in a place against the team bottom, but they just pull out a result from somewhere so um, and, and, and listen I always think first game of the season it's really really important to get off to a good start and a win home or away Andy do you reckon um, bearing in mind the history of, of Bury and, and which we'll go on to in a minute but um, are you gonna are you going to be the Manchester United of your league in that everybody's going to want to beat you because you're Bury We've had that for the last two or three seasons, yeah. Um, obviously, the, you know, we had what what you guys are kind of feeling now. We had that uh, 
all all the lead up to the game last week and you know four thousand nine hundred tickets sold and then all of a sudden there's five and a half thousand tickets sold on the day. The lads are about to come up out for the warm up and um you know we've got to uh put the kick off back because people are still outside the gates and stuff like that. And then you've got Glossop that are in town and you're thinking what are Glossop gonna bring and but you've just got to focus on, on yourselves as a, as a team and, and know that you've got right done and that you've got um, you know all the all the all the players in the right places to make sure that you win a game. Well, as you can hear, Harry's Harry's got some clear thoughts on the situation, doesn't he, Harry? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> what do you think about the situation? Are you looking forward to the season starting? Oh, that's I a think bit that dodgy, a, I think that was it? a no. Yeah, I, I think, think that was a no. Yeah. Um, Andy, if I may, just linking it into sort of the, the Bury situation, well, well, we've got you. Obviously, everyone is aware that it's a situation that nobody wants to, to see any club uh, going the way that, it, that it's gone. But from your perspective, how much um, of an opportunity has it presented yourself in being able to obviously go into the club um, in the position that you are now and being part of trying to regenerate it and get it back on its feet because it must be quite a a proud feeling that you must have being part of that as well yeah i think you know the the history of the football club um, you know these are about to start your league campaign on saturday we're about to start our fa cup campaign on saturday so <laughs> um you know the, the front of the program for saturday's got you know fa cup winners 1903 and 23 so that's three Show so, um, yeah, it is a proud and privileged position to be in, but it's also take for granted. Um, obviously, being the Berry AFC manager for the last few years, uh, that's a big part of the history to get us to this stage, as well as the the the, the you know the club now. Um, and I think the biggest part for for any football club is uh, making sure that everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet, and that's. That, you know, I often feel that that comes from the manager. Um, you know, the way I talk in the media, the way that we we talk uh, in front of the players and other people, um, that helps you to create that environment everyone wants to be part of. And um, you know, it's just a huge privilege to to take this, take to to continue to take this club forward. What happened to the bloke that, that caused all the problems in the first place? Has he been run out of town or what? Was he still around? Yeah, I, I haven't got a clue where he's he's gone or, or what have you. And I suppose uh, the less said about stuff like that, the better, really. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, similar sort of position to Yeovil, really. Or, you yeah. know, what you guys were able to get out of it, I suppose, uh, with Martin Hellier taking over. Um, yeah. And then... But you know, you just see reading about Reading today, and you can just see something bubbling up there at Reading. Mm. Uh, it's just sad sometimes, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, you know, the fans are always the ones that that miss out inevitably uh, in situations like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just for those who might not know, Andy, so what what division do do Bury find themselves in at the moment? So we're in the ninth tier of English football currently. So. Um, we, we we won promotion first season. Uh, last season we finished uh, third, 
Um, we had an unbelievable cup run in the FA Cup and Navarre's, but then we ended up with 11 games in the space of a month uh, to try and go up, and it was just too much for us in the end. Um, so, that yeah, we're in the ninth tier, so we're pretty much one, two, three. I think it'd be three or four promotions off where Yeovil currently are. Bit of work to do there then, Andy. Yeah, a lot of work. Um, but, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, and I think that's the biggest eye-opener for for a lot of fans that, uh, that, that do come and watch us. They're not, you know, they're not expecting football league straight away. And, but most of all, they've got to enjoy the journey as well because there's some good experiences at non-league. I mean, last night we played our second league game last night um, against Colm. And uh, I don't think, I think they probably average about 200 um, at home games. And there was, I think there was 1,554 <laughs> So, um, you know, that's a good little payday for them. But, um, yeah, you've just got to accept the journey and, and, and you know, help it galvanise you as a football club. Have you taken much, um, I was going to say advice, but you've obviously followed um, Robbie Savage's uh, exploits and he, obviously he's had the benefit of a, a National Sunday paper to waffle on about it every week. But yeah. have you taken any uh, any sort of ideas, any any guidance from them i think they're a completely different model um you know they they have put a lot of money into the football club no doubt about it whereas what we've had to do is generate our own money um we we want to be self-sustainable um and we want to make sure that we invest in the right way in players if we need to and if we don't we we get the right ones on and on contract terms that are going to fight for the football club as well um, but you know what they've done at, at Macclesfield obviously they've got the 4G pitch which brings in a rental income um, you know it, it's something we're looking at and we have got the funding Do you find the players because funnily enough we had a, a quite a lengthy discussion about 3G fit pitches just two or three weeks ago on this programme and uh, uh, in particular one, one of the players Alex Fisher was saying you know that uh, he won't go near them and also our captain Josh Staunton is unable to go anywhere near a 3G pitch and we've got I'm not quite sure how many I think it's three or four um, in this league at least so those are three or four games we know our captain's not going to play in do you, do you find your team are, are much the same or do they just sort of used to it because they're further down um, the pyramid I mean I'm, I'm unsure why the captain why, why isn't he able to play on them well he's got two knees that are shot completely right I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, sometimes some of the pitches you play on that are grass pitches are worse than these four or five Gs now. So depending on what they're like, I mean, we've not had a problem really. I mean, Macclesfields is a brand new state of the art one. There are some out there that aren't great, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather turn up to a pitch and know that you can play well and you can pass the ball well rather than have to lump it in the air and you know hope for the best you know sim- our game last night against Colne it was on I think it was something like from one corner flag to the other a 17 foot drop <laughs> so um, you know it, you'd rather be on a pitch that is flat and you, you can play football on uh, Andy are you are you are you back at Gig Lane now did I see that yeah, you did see that. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're back at Gig Lane now. So um, on Saturday it was the first 
competitive game back at Dig Lane, yeah. And as you've just referenced in terms of how many you managed to take away from home, presumably the numbers are around about the same from when Bury um, were in the Football League? Or have you noticed a difference? Um, well, no, from what I've been told, uh, you know, mm. like at the first game of the season, we've got five and a half thousand. Um, we've sold just as many season tickets. That's incredible, tickets. isn't it? That's incredible numbers. Yeah, we've sold 1,700 season tickets so far this season. Uh, it might be more because we did sell a few more from, from the weekend. Um, so, yeah, we've had a, an excellent response. You know, one of the biggest things for me that we made sure we did was uh, do a training day, an open training day, where the kids came down and watched the lads train at, at Gig Lane. And we had 500 kids turn up for training to watch the lads train. Um, and it's just that engagement. And, you know, sometimes I think people are a little bit scared to have that engagement might think it's a little bit big time if you like but this is a huge football club it's a 12,000 seater stadium um you know we need the town we need the community to get behind the club and you know similar to to yoga you know promote yourselves as much as you can this season because no one's going to give you a lift up the table so the more that you you're being successful the more people are going to come and watch and it's you know you spoke about that word momentum there the players should thrive off that momentum. Um, I'm interested to know, Andy, how difficult is recruitment at that level? Because it must be a mixture between, like you've just touched on, the level that you find yourself in versus the fact that Bury are obviously a huge football club. So have you found, have you found it easy, if that's the right word to use, to get the players that you want over the line? Uh, I think everyone says that to us, that, Oh, you know, you, you, you bury, you've got a big pull. And I don't think it's as easy as what people think. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things for me is I'm not going to pay over the odds for players because we're buried. So I refuse to, to put the, cl the club at risk with, a you know, an extra 50 quid here or an extra 30 quid there. Or, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we're not big payers. Um, you know, probably the top earner at our place is on £200 a week. That's the absolute... You know, and probably more more eyes on you as well, particularly with what happened previously. So I guess there's that element to it yeah, as well, definitely. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously, Dicko, Carl Dickinson, started pre-season off with us. Um, but Dicko's gone already now because uh, it's just the, the commitment, he can't commit to it. It's, a, it's an hour and 50 journey from where he is in Stoke. Um, so, you know, he was going to be a good, experienced player for us, but you know, you can see that players can chop and change and teams and squads can chop and change quite quickly at the level we're at. Sounds like Harry was amazed at that, aren't you, Harry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he said, is there any trials going for the for the under ones? <laughs> They've all been nicked by the Saudi Arabians, haven't they? <laughs> what, what, all the under ones? <laughs> yeah. Um. Andy, last last point on that. I'm just interested to know: would there be any players that we would possibly recognise in the squad at the moment that have been um, have had quite a number of caps within the football league or national league? It's probably testing um, your own knowledge now. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, no, I don't. Well, no, it's, there's a, there's a, we've got a fullback, Curtis Abeng, um, is it Swansea, um, Stevenage. Um, he's 34 now, um, and we've got a 
uh, midfielder Andy Kelly, who's played in the football league for Wigan. Um, but other than that, no, not really. We, you know, the I think Lewis Morrison. I'm not sure if he's played in the football league. Uh, he was on Love Island. You might remember the first ever series of Love Island, but. He's a centre half. Uh, AD will be familiar. <laughs> Don't be <laughs> silly. Talk about intelligence like that, my God. Yeah. So um, oh. no, we haven't got anyone really. No, that's that's been at those types of levels. Where's Gab? Has he gone off on Love Island? Are you there, no. Gab? Yes, sir. Oh, you are there. Jolly good. That's all right. Just, I am. Can you... Just checking. Gab, if you can hear us, what yeah, are your what are your, you. what are your memories of Andy down at Yeovil Town? Well, the last memory I've had of him, he probably won't remember, is that my claim to fame is that, oh, yeah, he tweeted Andy when he... Because um, you've got twins, haven't you, Andy? Yeah, i got twins, yeah. Yeah, I've got twins as well. So I think when you um, and your, um, that you and your good lady had twins, I congratulated you and you replied to it. I've got some girls myself who are 25, so that's my uh, non-football, <laughs> if you like, claim to fame with Andy. But I do remember Andy, you know, flying down the left wing. You know, and yeah. um, you, I mean, being love, love wings, don't even get pulled down and nip it past the to the bill and get in. So, uh, Andy was certainly um, getting you on the edge of your seat, uh, fan favorite. Um, yeah, I enjoyed uh, not just getting on there, but enjoyed um, Andy's time at Yo and um, yeah, it's a good uh, three years as he, as he enjoyed it himself. Is your daughter about that? No. Oh, a, that explains Aww. it then. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, I think Andy probably got the gist of what Gav was trying to say there, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like you said, I had a good time down at Yoverly, enjoyed it. And, it, was, it was Slady that brought you in, wasn't it? Yeah, Russell Slade brought yeah. me in, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it. I think I had my best season in terms of goals the last season there as well. Um, and, it, yeah, it was, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, the the football club is, is a community-based club, but, it, you know, it, it does struggle to keep hold of players if they are doing well as well. Mm. Um, but if you can, you know, get the buy-in from players, I think, you know, as you've seen in recent history... Uh, it can be a really tough place for teams to come and try and get a result. Yeah. How difficult is it having played for a giant like Sunderland to come down to a team like Yeovil? I mean, did did you find that the the, the ch- which you know, obviously there would be a huge change, could it, well, just a crowd for a start? Did you find it uh, difficult to adjust to that? Um, not really, because. Obviously, it's a League One side at the time, and and the crowds that we were getting were very good crowds. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like you weren't playing in front of crowds. Um, and some of the away games we were going to, like to Villsborough, Sheffield United as well, and and places like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're big stadiums. Uh, obviously, Leeds United were in in League One at that time as well. So, um, you know, it didn't. It, Football's football as well, and you can be on. I, I was always one of them. You could be on the most money in the world, but if you're not playing, it doesn't matter. And and all I wanted to do was play. You know, I, you know, I had three good years at Sunderland. Then I moved on to Toronto, and then I went to Blackpool, and I just didn't enjoy it at Blackpool. And I just, you know, I wanted to just get out and play, and that's pretty much how I ended up at Yeovil. 
Hello, Hilda. I'll be interested to know everyone's thoughts um, about the, the upcoming weekend because we've spoken about uh, Yeovil kicking off their season, but the championship uh, gets underway, and I think it gets away Friday night, and I think I'm right in saying that it's Southampton versus Sheffield Wednesday, which is quite a tasty fixture to get things back underway. Um, Rick, I'm going to put you on the spot a minute because sure. are we expecting, or are you personally expecting, the lights of Southampton, Leeds, Leicester to be those amongst the leading pack? Or do you think that there might be, as there always is in the championship, um, quite the tight slog to uh, to get promotion to the promised land? You'd, you'd expect those three clubs to be the amongst the front runners, wouldn't you? They've got the um, resources and the money, the parachute money and whatever. I think uh, Coventry would be looking to try and repeat Make sure that their their season wasn't a wasn't a one off, but um, no, you you really be struggling to look beyond those those three clubs. Clubs that get relegated from the Premier League, you really got to be looking at playoffs at the minimum for the next season. I would have thought. Who do you think's best placed out of the three that did go down from what you've seen over the summer? Not Leeds. <laughs> surprise, 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 <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, Ad, have you had an eye over what? business has been done or just had a, a look at who you think you might expect to be up and challenging that's right harry <laughs> um i think southampton in particular is, is an interesting one because they've got two of, of their supposedly key players in this um uh james ward price and the fullback uh whose name escapes me at this moment lavala whatever yeah oh the midfielder liverpool are after Lavelar. yeah yeah Mm. Um, now, if they lose those two, um, I think they're going to have a slight problems, in particular Ward Price, because he's such such a, a consistent player. He, he loves his free kicks, and he's he's very good with free kicks, penalties, and such like. And I think that would be a big loss for Southampton, uh, and they don't appear to have, from what I've seen anyway, brought in many many uh, new players that I've. You know, they, they might well have done, but I don't know the names. I haven't caught the names and thought, yeah, he's a good player. So I would have thought that um, if they can keep all their players, I would think Southampton have got to be in with a shout. But if they can't, um, don't know, really. It's uh, I think there's somewhere along the line, there's a team in there, somebody like possibly Ipswich, that's going to suddenly come out of the pack and... and make a go for it that wouldn't normally be expected to do I so. I think they are expected by the bookies to do quite well. Obviously, they got promoted under... Was it a United youth coach yeah, who's in yeah. there? Kevin... Here in McKenna. Yeah, that's him. Um, so, you know, um, somebody like that, I think, could suddenly appear on the scene and, and take everybody by surprise. Whether they can keep it up over the whole season, of course, is another thing. But uh, And it's, it's a difficult lead to get out of, isn't it? Let's be honest be nice to see if Ipswich did get a decent run because obviously, uh, well not obviously, but we've got a connection from my our cricket club, North Parrot. One of the lads, Charlie Bins, is on the books at Ipswich now. So, uh, yeah, just a best sort of interest in that to see how the lad does. Yeah, the wow. lad playing in the, uh, potentially, I mean, he's, he's what, 16, 17, so he's not going to be pushing for a first team place but he's he's within the setup so that'd be quite interesting didn't know how do you see it andy have you had a had an eye over what's been happening in the championship and who you would expect to be in and around it come the end of the season i think i, I think uh 
I agree with a Leeds one. I don't think they've recruited well. I don't think they've improved on the squad that they've got. And the biggest thing for Leeds last year in the Premier League is they just, just haven't got a goal scorer. Bamford, they're reliant on Bamford. Obviously, I live up this way. And loads of Leeds fans and said at the start of last year, you know, they need a goal scorer. And obviously, Rodrigo starts getting goals, but he's gone now as well, isn't he? So, yeah. I think it could be a long season for Leeds this year, uh, and unless they start to invest in the next, you know, three weeks or so before the window shuts. And but yeah, looking at a few others, I think Southampton. No, I think the way that Southampton played, he can dominate the ball quite a lot. And uh, again, it's just where the goal's going to come from with them. I think Leicester, um, yeah. I always think the Premier League teams that come down, they'll they'll go one way or the other. They'll either they'll either you know go again and invest, or if they don't invest, they kind of make the numbers up for that season, don't they? So, um, but in terms of, I think Sunderland. You know what I like about Sunderland is they've got um, players that have been through an experience last season, um, which will stand them in good stead, and you've got. You know, going down all the leagues, really, I think it's interesting going down to League 2 with Wrexham and Stockport and, and people like that. I think, you know, that's going to be an interesting League League 2 this year, Notts County coming up. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see it all kick off again because that's when all the drama starts to happen and, you know, uh, managers start moving on and, and the merry-go-round starts and... You know, you just just wait to see where people end up. Of course, your old mate uh, Lou Gaining still at Le- Leeds. I don't know how that's going to affect him. Whether he's going to uh, feel the difference, shall we say, in League Two? Yeah, yeah, no, I still speak to Luke every now and again, and um, you know, he, he, to be fair, he's obviously gone up to the Premier League, and I thought he's done really well in the Premier League. He's not looked out of place. He's he's worked hard, and he's a, you know he's a very good player. Uh, but he obviously he's, he's ageing now um, as well which makes me feel old saying that because when he came <laughs> to Yeovil he was about 18 um, well so, Andy uh, I don't want to put you down mate but you are getting on a bit let's be honest about I this I know so. exactly yeah come on um, but yeah it's yeah, it's, it's a tough one isn't it I think everyone looks at Leeds there's a lot of if, if, if honest Leeds are that club like similar to what Probably Berry are in the league and, and Yeovil will be in their league. There's pressure, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's everyone's cup final going to Ellen Road. And But one thing I've always found when I played at Ellen Road is, you know, if you if you score, the crowd don't stick with the with the team. Um, and I think there's a bit of unrest there again from last season. And, you know, it'll be, yeah, tough job, I think, that for, what's his name? Is it Daniel Farker, is it? Hmm. Ex-Norwich. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. More transfer business that we normally talk about uh, on the pod, but a deal that looks like it's going over the line. Rick, I'm sure you'll be pleased to see that Manchester City are splashing the cash again and uh, have identified a central defender who was, who is, I think I'm right in saying he was one of the defenders of the World Cup, wasn't he? Which is probably where they've done a lot of the scouting of. Guardiola with RB Leipzig. How do you, well, what do you think of that one? A... <laughs> The size of the transfer and B, what you think they're actually getting out of the player? Uh, he's a quality player. He played well against them, the Leipzig in the in the Champions League last season, I think. So, 
they've clearly had their eye on him for a little while. Um, I don't want to go down the road to Man City's financial dealings because I'll bore myself going on about it yet again. Uh, they're in a fraudulent position. They've got in that position fraudulently. So, uh, least said, soonest, uh, soonest mended as far as that one goes. It's amazing the number of players that seem to have, have emanated with some sort of a link to RB Leipzig. It seems yeah, but that's the whole whole point of it, isn't it? It's, it's a structure, a way of playing, and that that they create one of those clubs that create players for other people rather than get a great deal of success success themselves because of the way they bring players bring players through. It's their whole point. They're never going to be a massive club themselves, but what they will do is, is as you say, they'll provide a hell of a lot of players for, for other clubs. You got anybody also in, in the... mind at uh, RB Leipzig, Andy? I'm just looking at it here on the telly, 77.6 million. Think, think like Rick's saying there, you know, that type of money for uh, a player that, listen, he's, don't get me wrong, I'm sure he's a good player, but these figures just seem to keep rising and rising and it's where this money coming from. And, it is, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not great to see them sorts of figures, really. I mean, obviously, Harry Maguire went for a lot of money as well, didn't he? Um, years ago, but it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's a worry for the youth system, I think, in the UK as well. Because are, are the players getting these opportunities? You know, the foreign players are getting bought for such big money, and that's not even just at first team level; that's at youth level as well. So, um, you know, I think they need probably need to give our head to wobble a little bit in this country of how we want the game to go, um, rather than how it is going because it's not suiting the development of the game and then you know we can then can't moan if players like Jordan Henderson go to Saudi Arabia for all the money in the world because the only people the only reason people are coming to the Premier League is because they're spending ridiculous amounts of money well, one, one thing that's just occurred to me about the whole situation with the with the Saudi thing is what they're doing is, is the majority of the players they're buying are over 30 so maybe that will reduce the age profile in the, in the Premier League because most players over 30 who have played a lot of Premier Premier League football are getting snapped up by the, the Saudi League for one team or another. So maybe that might actually, and not necessarily, as we found with the this um, this lad who's gone to Man City, he's only 21. So perhaps the signings will be more youth-orientated than, than senior players because they're all off getting a big payday over in Saudi. Don't you think, though, Rick, that there's a there's a definite tendency at the moment for everybody to be saying, my player is worth X pounds, and I'm not going to budge on that price. Southampton's a prime example. Um, all right, also uh, Atalanta, because of this, uh, you know, United's latest purchase. They just seem to be, and everybody's joined in the bandwagon now, so they're all saying, no, 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 my player is worth that price, and you're going to have to pay it. Whereas... <laughs> Because they know the money's there. I mean, United have paid a United tax of, you know, probably about 10 million on top of what other people would pay for players for a long time. And as, as long as they had Ed Woodward there, they were in a position where they would uh, sacrifice everything and, and pay it. But it's like West Ham now. West Ham are really struggling to get I was just going to ask before. that. Do yeah, you think because, it's purely the right situation as to why they yeah. haven't been able to get anything done? Everybody knows that they've got money, so they want us to screw as much out of it as West Ham as, as possible. And if you, it's funny, the situation with City, it, that 
I remember Pep getting on his high horse before they bought like the likes of Grealish for 100 million, saying, oh, because United were progressively spending money on Pogba and Maguire and they were at the top end of the thing. And he would, he would criticise them for breaking the, the transfer thing. But every single member of his squad that was brought in for 50 million. That was the lowest that they were paying for players. They're all within that sort of that sort of range. So uh, yeah, it's I don't know. Money's gone. Do you, Money's do you gone. feel sorry for the for the players in this situation as well, Rick? And I know it's quite it's not so easy for us to feel sorry for players when you look at how much money that they're on and how we're just kind of envious of their their illustrious careers. But I mean, in terms of the Lavia situation, like Aidy's just touched on, Southampton have not budged from fifty million pound at all at any point, but. He must be looking at, at it from the player's perspective and thinking, well, I obviously really want to go to Liverpool. We've been relegated. I've seen players leave, like a Harvey Barnes, for instance, who's still yep. young, still got a lot to offer, go for around 36 million quid. And he's like, why is there no compromise for me? Why is? Can you understand from his perspective? Yeah, absolutely. But then again, it also depends on the player's value is also dependent more and more on the length of contract that they've still got left. It's like, True. Our our, our favourite weekly conversation, Harry Kane. Go on, he, mention he, it. <laughs> I go on. I'll do it. I'll do Harry Kane. But he's got a year left. Everyone knows he's got a year left. So if the club want to make some money from him, they've got two transfer windows to try and cash in on him. The is ladder, it... Southampton. I don't know how long his contract is, but he's still got ahead of him. But ultimately, he's going to get his move, whether it's initially or whatever, because the club he's a good player, and the club aren't going to want to let him run down his contract, are they? So it's just a case of uh, what brinkmanship, really, as, as to who blinks first and when he can go. Andy, how do they find out? I mean, it seems to be, you know, currently everybody knows Harry's got a, um, a year left on his contract, so you better get some money out, Dave. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, is, is there some sort of way of finding out that the press can find out as much as, as you as a manager can find out how long somebody's got on their contract? A sort of a, you know... A, um, yeah, database, as it were. Yeah, I think the contracts are with the FA, aren't they? So, and obviously in press as well, they'll, they'll nine times out of ten the top players, you'll know how long they've got left, won't you? Because it's yeah, yeah the press but, just but it, be what, I'm, what I'm getting at is it never seemed to be if you go back, I don't know, mm -hmm. ten years, maybe more, you didn't find out quite so easily there that Harry Kane had a. A, you know, a year left on his contract. Has something changed to the, to allow the the press and everybody else to know the situation with these contracts? Yeah, definitely. Agents. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. It's, a, it's a business, isn't it, for them? So Such they know that if yeah. they're coming into the last year of the contract, they're going to get either a payday from them signing a contract, or they've got a year. It's like if you're selling your house. Or if you want to sell your house, you know, um, within a year or something, you're not going to wait till that year's up and then sell it. You want to start getting it moving and promoted, and that's basically what it is. It's agents and salesmen, aren't they? Mm. So yeah, no, I, was, I, was, I was forgetting the agents, of course, and they're the ones that put it out all the time, aren't they? Well, it's no, there's no meaning in it for an agent, is it? If, if a player, well, there must be some money, but if a player... It's more lucrative for an agent if a player moves, surely. Rather, they'll get more out of a transfer deal than they will out of a player renewing his, his contract at his existing club, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Unless they've got a good relationship with the club that says we want to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. 
diabolical. I think as well, Aid, on that point, journalism has changed a lot as well. You've got things like The Athletic now, subscriptions into content that has just been more, um, you know, overstimulates you really more than ever it has before. There's, there's, you know, shows like we do now, there's always stuff. Content is more readily available than it ever has was before and i think it's probably just a two-way street that they help give more information so that the media <coughs> will give more out and i think this is probably the you know where we sit in 2023 there's more media elements to football than there probably has ever been at any other point since its existence probably well i must admit i've not been um what was the term you used just now uh, at my age anyway, you know, I, I've not found that the Athletic has been doing an awful lot for me. I do tend to read it from time to time, but... Uh... Is that because it's all digital age? Is that <laughs> the issue? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's nothing like a nice digital um, story. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, it, you know, the, the press, the internet, that, that's the thing, isn't it? That, that is, I suppose... It, as you say, we, we're doing our bit to promote it anyway, aren't we, right now? So, you know, is, can we can we be surprised at that? Well, really, the answer is no. 24-hour rolling sports news as well. They've always got a... Yeah. The media's always looking for content to, to fill up. They want the latest news news story, and so they're constantly looking for stuff. Notice, uh, noticeable that Sky Sports News now on um, uh, the 10 o'clock Sky Sports News, they have uh, a back page thing at half past 10 where they go through all the back pages of the sports papers. and you know. Yeah. But they also, during the day, they're, they're part of their content now, when it's not YouTubers having their five minutes of fame, is that they've got a whole thing in the whole morning, the transfer show. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about nothing nothing but this this whole yeah. situation. So, um, I suppose they've got to make a thing. Is what, but now you've got a window. They, they've got a finite time when it's actually relevant, isn't it? Once, you get, once the window's closed... They've got got to concentrate more on the actual games themselves than the, the speculations. Well, we you could you could liken it to, to to our situation in that obviously the moment you know we we cover football pretty pretty extensively on this radio station and obviously when suddenly the season stops half of our program suddenly drop away which you know, you've got to fill it up with something so one tends to look at things like the transfer shows and what have you because it's a uh, it's the only sort of big stories that are going around during the closed season, isn't it? I was going to say, Three Valleys Radio are very grateful to all the information that's out there to be yeah. honest. Well, we are. It's a fair comment, yeah. really, isn't it? Because you've got to have sensible, you know, up-to-date yeah. comment. Haven't we, Harry? It's sensible, up-to-date comment. Is that what yeah. we do? Extensive, up-to-date comment, yeah. Oh. 15 all. Um, Harry but, seems to agree. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Harry. What do you think? Um, what I do want to touch on is um, we are well into the Women's World Cup now. Oh, um, England have qualified for the... Yes, they have. England have qualified for the last 16. Andy, have you caught any of it? Yeah, I've watched bits of it. My, my girls play football, so um, their little football camp yesterday, they watched the England game. I think it was on yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday morning. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, we, they have been watching it. And, and to be fair, we go and watch some of the girls' games, uh, the women's games, every now and again as well. So, um, but yeah, I think England are probably missing a couple of players like Sir Beth Mead and 
and that this time round with that little bit of experience and uh, yeah they've uh, yeah they've got through all right haven't they? Um, we've got Nigeria next, I think, so we'll we'll see where they get to then. Scrape through winning the last game six one. Yeah, so yeah, bit... well, yeah. I think the thing is it you know. We've been to watch England a couple of times and they are a very good football inside. I think the whole women's game hasn't taken off as, you know, probably as big as what it should have after the Euros. But I think that's because it is, they actually do play football on the floor. They don't just lump it. So sometimes games can be a big scoreline or nine times out of ten in the WSL, they're quite a tight game, um, you know, because the level has risen massively. Well, a friend of mine, his his daughter plays. She was playing for Sheffield United last season, and we went and watched them play against Bristol City. And it was in a second tier game, not the WSL. It was in a tier down. And after a, a season of uh, watching Yeovil fumbling around yeah. in the National League, it was actually a higher quality. I think it was a more entertaining yeah. match watching that than it was coming and watching the painful stuff that was on show at Hewish Park every week. Yeah, I think the women's games improved massively. It really hasn't. Um, like I said, I've been we've been to watch the Manchester derby a couple mm. of times now, and I mean uh, the one last year was at the Etihad, and it was I think uh, forty-two thousand turn up was highest attendance or something at the Etihad, um, and then the one previously, the previous season was at the the Mini Stadium at the Etihad, and it was only it was a sellout, it was five and a half. But, I mean, the goal that day to win the game was by Caroline Weir. Uh, and it was an unbelievable chip. Um, keeper came out and she just dinked the keeper and it went straight in. It was a great goal. Adrian, I know, mm. I know you're, you're a big ad, ad, advocate of the women's game. What did you think of uh, Russo moving from uh, Manchester United to Arsenal? Heresy. I just think, I can't believe she would do such a thing. <laughs> but, you know... I think Aidy would think that about anybody that left Manchester United for Arsenal, wouldn't you, Aid? <laughs> yeah, basically, you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. But um... Um, elsewhere um, this week, um, I will hand it back to to you, Andy. I don't know if you saw that um, Virgil Van Dijk has been ma- named the Liverpool captain. There was a little bit of talk on who might get the captaincy, but do you think that's a, a fair choice? Harry seems to think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Um, obviously, Jordan Henderson seemed to lead both on and off the pitch and played both roles well if he played or didn't play. Um, but yeah, I suppose he's a natural successor, isn't he? He's, he has when he's not played, they've really missed him. Um, and when he and when he has played, he's been a rock at the back for him. So um, I think they've made Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, vice captain as well, haven't they? Um, so yeah, I, 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 I did wonder, Andy, if he might have gone down the Trent route and sort of because I think he's at a similar age when Gerard got it, but obviously he's still got quite a few years to to get it. Possibly after Van Dyke has moved on. Yeah, poss- Yeah, I, if I'm honest, though, I'm not. I'm not sure about the Trent one being a captain. I, I don't see that one, um, and I think he came under a bit of fire last year as well, didn't he? So. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a big season isn't it, for Klopp this year. I think he's, you know, it was a tough one from last year, and um, yeah, they, I think I think 
Jordan Henderson obviously is a was a big player for them, even though he was aging, and it you know they've not, not really you know in the centre of the park have they got have they still got that grit and that steel in there that, that I do think you need sometimes. So I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, as you probably picked up on earlier in the show, and I have to admit I'm a little bit worried. Are you worried as well, Harry? I'm a little bit worried because you mentioned about that midfield. There's been a lot of change now, and I don't know if you saw, but earlier there was a friendly with Bayern Munich, and apparently McAllister's picked up an injury. So right. I'm just hopeful that that obviously isn't something that then affects into the new season with only a couple of weeks to go. I, I always think with Liverpool, and I used to think this in the 90s as well, um, and, and when Julier took over, they always seemed to sign your, your, your Southampton players and your, your, your Brighton-type players that everyone knows that they're a good player at a Southampton or a Brighton. You know, like your Jota as well. But but then you just... Sometimes it works out either because one way or the other, they're either brilliant or they're not... You know, they just make the numbers up. I Who's a... Naby Keita, everyone was buzzing about him. Mm. And by the end of it, the Liverpool fans ate him. He's always injured. So I, I, I always think the recruitment, um, it's, a bit, it's a bit strange sometimes. He seems to buy a lot of, of the same kind of players in the Premier League that are doing OK um, for, for the current clubs. So McAllister, for me, you know, he, he comes into Liverpool's squad but you've got your, your Diogo Jotters and people like that, haven't you, that's similar players. Um, Hilda, just there's five minutes to go. Um, and whilst we're talking about captains, what about Bruno Fernandes? How do you feel about him being made captain? And, and if necessary, you know, the, how it was, the whole thing was conducted. For me, is that for me, eh? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of Bruno Fernandes, if I'm honest. I don't, I don't think he... Uh, I liked him when he first came to United. I think since he's kind of uh, become captain. I think when Ronaldo came in as well, um, I don't know. He, he went from a player that loved playing at Old Trafford and scoring goals to just this arrogance that I'm a United fan and I, I'm just not a fan of him. I just think every time I see him play, if things aren't going as well, he's throwing his hands in the air. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd expect a bit more from a captain of Man United. Um, well, if you if, if if you had the choice, who would you have picked then instead of Bruno? Out of interest, I think this is where the club's in utter disarray. To be honest with you, because the signings that have been made over the last few seasons are just, you know, I know we're getting Casemiro, who I thought was outstanding last year. Well, you know, you go back to stuff like if you're making Trent Alexander-Arnold the captain at Liverpool because he's come through the system, then do you make a Marcus Rashford the captain because he's come through the system at United? Does it, often it doesn't make sense to make those uh, those choices because they have come through the system. But you know, again, we're all we're all role models in life, and I think on a football pitch you're a role model. And if I'm looking at my leader on the pitch throwing his arms in the air and spitting his dummy out every two minutes I'd be very very worried who's leading me on the pitch interesting interesting doesn't mean that he's not a good player he's, he's talent and he's 
you know what he does have is, is second to none. But you know you are a role model for you for the rest of the squad on the pitch, and there's different ways to lead. And I think if Bruno Fernandez led the way he led when he first came into United and got on with his business and scored worldies and set set goals up um, and dropped the other stuff, you you know I think I think we'd be a much better team with him. Well, that's fair enough. We're all entitled to our opinions, and you know I don't disagree with parts of your your, your uh, uh, opinion of him. But uh, on the other hand, he's he's consistent with the goals, or fairly consistent. It dropped dropped the levels dropped a bit, but he's still getting sort of ten or twelve. Uh, I, think. I don't think he turns up in the big games, H, if I'm yeah. honest with you, mate. Well, certainly he didn't against Liverpool, that's for certain. No, but, well, uh, listen, and when the big games do come, this is where this arrogance and, you know, uh, throwing his dummy out of the pram starts mm. happening. And sorry to play for Man United, you, you've got to be able to turn it on in the big games. And that's why United haven't been in the Champions League or fighting to, to win leagues and, yeah. you know, and all the trophy last year but I still didn't feel confident going into games that they had a certain level of structure of, of, of how they play and I think Ten Hag's come in he's done a, a, a good job with them but absolute million miles off Man City and if I'm honest I think they're a million miles off Arsenal as well Well, Do you not think Arsenal's been because Arsenal was supposedly what a season or two ahead of schedule and they have fought really well. Do you see them with the extra games, European games this season? Are they going to maintain that, do you think? Or do you think there's going to be a natural natural fall-off with that? Again, I think one thing with Arsenal is they've got a lot of young players and a certain style and structure the way that they play. Those young players this year, uh, last season, have got a lot of experience. And the season before that, they've got an experience of, you know, probably being nowhere near. So they've gone from being nowhere near to challenging and it, and then it's just adding a few little bits here and there in the squad which I think Arteta has done quite well with they've his fought really really well haven't yeah they? yeah exactly they, yeah, I mean, yeah I mean, they spent what nearly 200 million but the three players they brought in are exactly what they need yeah and obviously I think he was a good signing Jorginho from last year as well um, you know I think he's a very good midfielder and they've got strength in depth um, but the thing with Man United compared to an Arsenal is we're all still talking about Harry Maguire. Now, for me, I know people might say, "Well, you've got to get, you've either got to get rid of Harry Maguire or Harry Maguire moves on." But that situation should have been dealt with as soon as the season finished. Yeah. You know, and it's dragging on and dragging on. And what happens at United now that just continues as like the Ronaldo story last year. Yeah just becomes boring and then De Gea's gone and so you know I think De Gea moving on I see that um, but again it, it's a you know it's a tough one isn't it you're bringing in a goalkeeper who's got a great reputation but we've all seen these goalkeepers come in and they've, they've they sink in the Premier League yeah there's a there's a touch of the Fabian Bartes I think about him United have gone down that route before with a a player, that, a goalkeeper that's really good with his feet, so it will be interesting. I think the difference is with with your Fabian Bartes is uh, he was surrounded by world class players. Yeah, you know, you haven't got a plethora of players at the minute. 
Well, look, lads, I, I hate to break this conversation up because we're just getting interesting, but unfortunately, we've gone over our time, I'm so... Very, I'm very happy to end the pod with the last line being Manchester United haven't got any world-class players. Yeah, I'm happy to end it there. Yeah, I'm sure you would be. Yeah, that's typical, isn't it? Eh? That's typical. <laughs> we won't get started on Liverpool Day, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, Andy. Well done, mate. <laughs> right, well, um, do you want me to finish it off, Dave, or do you want to do it? Oh, I don't mind. As um, Aidy's just said, Andy, thanks very much for joining us, mate, and um, good luck for the rest of the season. No problem. Hopefully yeah. we win Mike Drawley in the FA Cup. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, Andy. Really appreciate it, mate. And uh, now that we've got no you problem. on once, we'll probably come back to you and get you on again. Is that okay? No problem at all, guys. it be a pleasure. Great. Thanks, just before mate. the third round draw, then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, well, you've got, to, you've got to make sure you make it that far. That's the thing. I know we have to play 700 games to get that far. Lovely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. job. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, guys. Cheers, then. See you Cheers, soon. Rick, thanks for joining Cheers, us again, mate. mate. Always a pleasure. And thanks to myself and my little helper. Yeah, Harry. well done, Harry. You did very well there, my boy. Um, well. Just to say as well, Gav did uh, cease his internet connection completely, so he did message me to say that he's tooted off into the sunset. So, yeah. on behalf of Gav, he says goodnight as well, and Aidy to sign us off. Yeah, um, you know, this has been football, bloody hell, uh, and we'll be back again next Monday. So until then, thanks for listening, and bye for now. ETFN.